everyone, I'm Rachel here with Ari and we're your hosts for the Merry Writer podcast. This week we're on episode 180 and we're joined by a guest as we ask, how can ADHD writers stay motivated? Before we dive into the topic, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening if you haven't already. And if you enjoy the show, please share it with friends and feel free to write a review. Help us welcome Jeremy Russell to the show. Thanks so much for joining us. It's great to have you on the podcast. Hello, ladies. I want to thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited and a little bit nervous to be here. So are we. <laughs> you know, 180 episodes, still terrified every time we press record. People are scary. Recording is scary. Seriously. Yeah, it true, definitely true. Is. Very. Before we go further, would you like to tell everyone why you chose to discuss writing with ADHD? Sure. Um, I've chosen this topic because it's something I've had to deal with every single day. Uh, a teeny backstory, if you'll you'll both indulge me. Uh, my whole life, I've been a creative person. I make art and I write, but I've also considered myself to be a collector of hobbies. So I saw someone on YouTube making knives. So I guess I'm a knife maker now. Um, my best friend, Pat, uh, shout out to Pat for being my biggest booster. He is he is the one who is always motivating me. He's like, hey, did you write anything today? How's the writing? Well, I want to read what you're writing. He is he is the epitome of a backup booster person in your corner. He's my ride or die. Um, but anyways, but he took me out spray painting graffiti in an abandoned train yard. And turns out I'm a professional street artist now and a myriad of others. So fast forward to when I was diagnosed with ADHD about eight-ish years ago. And after consulting with my family doctor, which I can I ask anybody to do if you're thinking of you might have something going on that you're not fully sure about, consult a physician. Don't look at YouTube. Don't look at the internet and figure it out yourself. Speak to a professional. Um, she diagnosed me with the ADHD, and then I started doing my research. And with that, I found a thing called hyperfixation. So... What I called collecting hobbies was actually a symptom of the ADHD. But writing and the art, they remained my constants. They were my fixed points. Uh, first, I just want to say we all need a Pat. We yes, I was going to say that. Seriously, can we all have Pat? That's just brilliant. Uh, I bet you he would be more than welcome, more than happy to, I should say, to be everybody's booster. He is that guy. He is, I will stand behind you and push you to your goals. He is phenomenal. Shout out to Pat. Uh, he doesn't know it, but he's going to be the mascot of the Mary Writer podcast now. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> but I have to, I have to like piggyback on what you said about collecting hobbies because I do the same thing, and I'll just let everybody know that I have, I technically have undiagnosed ADHD. I spoke to a psychologist, and she believes that I have it, but my health insurance doesn't cover the full evaluation, so. I'm telling people I have ADHD because all the symptoms match up. And it is so true when you see somebody on the internet doing something and you're like, oh yeah, like I can do that. That's so easy. And then you start doing it. And then after a little while you get, you see something else and you're like, oh, that's bright and shiny. So then you move on to the next hobby and so on and so forth. And it's a lot of money down the drain. <laughs> it's true. But if you could do these things and you can find the cheapest way to do it, to try it out, that's what I would recommend. For instance, with the knives, I found some dirty old scrap steel. I bought a grinder for $20 when it was on sale and I did it the hard way, but it gave me the skills to be able to start. And then when I had more money, I could put more money into it. Never a lot. But then after a couple mm -hmm. months, I'm like on to the next, just like you, the bright and shiny thing. 
Yes. Yeah. But it's great too, because I, I feel like a lot of people see it as not necessarily a good thing, but I love learning. And the fact that I can tell people that I have all of these different skills, random skills. Yes. But I'm very, I don't know what the word is. What's the word? Versatile, very versatile with a lot of different things. I looked at, this is one of the things that I find it's a good thing. Yes, because I am very versatile. I can do a lot of things. And this, I please don't take this out of context. I don't want it to sound arrogant or conceited or what have you, but I'm good at a lot of things, but I'm not great at anything. I want to be great at one thing. I want to be great at writing. And so I have to, I have to really think, okay, is that something I'm genuinely interested or is this hyperfixation? And if it is, and I know that if I can recognize it, I will maybe move on and come back to it after I finished my friggin' book. So I <laughs> just, I have to be able to prioritize. Yes. Well, that's the thing. You have to be able to recognize it. That's an excellent way yes. of putting it. So with that said, I'm just going to follow up with that and ask you, what is your thought process like? It's, it's tough because at all times I have this internal dialogue going on in many different directions and on many different tangents. So there are always songs playing. There's always, always music in my head, even right now. Like it's turned the beat around. I think that's Gloria Estefan. I don't know why, but there it is. Um, <laughs> so there's always songs. Uh, they never go away. Change once in a while. I think I'm always thinking of scenarios, what will never happen in real life and many of the outcomes, various actions that I could take should they happen and the groceries that I have to get. Like even today, I know I have to go and get a tire. So I'm thinking of that. Like this doesn't impact anything else that's going on. It's just they're they're floating around in my head. It's like, TV channels are playing in there, television show, like the hobbies, everything. It's always going all at once, all the time. I can't turn it off. It's an odd thought process. I get that, especially the music thing. But I I find that really hard because I will glob on to songs and it can literally be some person past the house whistling and that's it. It's on repeat in my head for like four hours and I'm trying to drown it out with something else. I'm putting TV on. I'm putting my own songs. No, it's just, it's just in there. And then it'll finally vanish. And then some other song will just kick off. And it's just like, could you just quieten down? I have other things to think. And because I have really bad anxiety, the scenario situation is always on play. It's always, you know, like the stupidest thing. I will stop and, and um, yeah, if, if my partner comes down the stairs and ha- happens to stand on the cat toy and slips he's going to put his head through the front door okay i need to definitely move that cat toy that's on the side of the stairs that he would never have seen you know wouldn't have tripped on it but just in case it's that i'm always the weirdest scenarios and you just have to oh it's it, i think creativity breeds crazy if I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think i have to agree with that yeah <laughs> we definitely all are crazy but in a good way not in, in a inflammatory way, way. All the best people are mad, according to Alice in Wonderland. See, Who wrote Alice in Wonderland? It. What's Lewis Carroll? Thank you for ten points. <laughs> <laughs> I wow. I I have nothing to add to that other than I agree because both of you just described my brain to a T. Um, so if any of you listeners out there was wondering what the hell happens inside our heads on a daily basis. Uh, there you go. Some days it's fun. Some days it's not. 
to add to that, some days it's not, you'll get hung up. I mean, Ari, you may even think like this as well. You'll think of something that happened many, many years ago and you dwell on it. That's, and it's a bad thought. It's a bad memory. It's like, why won't I get this out of my head? Like, and, and you just dwell and dwell and dwell. So yeah, sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not. Can I just throw in an extra little thing just to follow on from that? I don't know if it's just me. But as well as that, yes, I, I remember something from way, way back that was embarrassing or stupid or even not even sort of like just something random where I thought I probably should have said something a bit different. It wasn't a bad thing. It wasn't an argument. Just a, eh, should have said something different. Well, yeah, but I'm, you know, 20 years older now, so I would know that. But I, I will randomly put an image in my head that I don't like. Like, I, I don't like the image of spiders. I have, I think they're incredible creatures. I love studying them, but I can't look at them because they upset me. And every now and then I'll just be duping along. And then my brain will go, hey, do you want to see something? Here's a giant spider image you saw, you know, 20 years ago. Just keep looking at that. And it's just, it's all, it's like someone's standing in front of you holding up a picture. And when you're trying to like look away, they're like, no, come here, look, look, look at this, look at this. Does that ever happen? Or is this just a me thing? It definitely happens to me. Um, if I could, if I could just interject some levity there, you don't like looking at spiders, but I'd like to challenge you to look at a certain spider that I think is the most beautiful, adorable little thing in the world. Is I'm not the kidding. Cute spider, because I've seen it, it and it scares me. The flamingo spider. Is it the that little one? one that's got the cute it's, face? It has a cute face, but it it's also not has like face. these these little, I guess flourish legs that come up behind it it does this little crazy dance it's it's how it you know it, it attracts the opposite sex it is the most adorable little thing in the world i think you should just give it a chance <laughs> i have an issue because i don't like it's what i call the over the head motion that its legs make that creepy over the head motion with the front legs yeah that's just that's... dancing though no. they have they have moves like jagger as, as i know kids, but... i think say i just want to say I just looked it up on my phone and no, thank you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Wonderful creatures. Don't want to see it. I know ever. that existed. They're so cute. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Sorry for, uh, you know, taking us on the tangent. I will stop talking about spiders. No, I mean, that's fine. I mean, if anything I've learned, I have never had an original thought or anything because you guys seriously have just like... Which is actually reassuring to know that you guys go through that as well, that it's not just me, because I think that's also a huge thing with ADHD or any type of like mental illness or anything. You feel like you're so alone and you're the only one that has these problems, I guess, you know, but no, we're all in this together, people. We're a community, a community yes. of crazy writers. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So with that said, we'll actually get into the meat of uh, this episode, and I'm just going to throw it at you. What struggles can writers face if they have ADHD? This is a big one. This is, again, something that we struggle with every day. So my first one would be lack of motivation. That one is massive. Um, you'll sit in a funk. You'll be like, you're, you're, you'll be in your head. I have to, I have to do some writing. I have to write. I have to write. I'll be sitting down thinking about what I want to write, what I need to write, what is coming next, but I'm not putting my pen to paper and actually doing the work. And 
it's it's a hurdle. It's something I actively try to work against. Now, even though I want to write, little things will suddenly become really important. Um, oh, that my my cat's ear is flipped over. I got to go and fix that right away and flip it back. Whew, I am a hero today. No, um, <laughs> or or it was a couple of months ago. I was thinking I have to write, and I was on the stove. I was getting ready to cook supper. I was like, man, these knobs are filthy. So I took them off and I threw them in the sink full of water because I was doing dishes as I was cooking and I was cleaning them. And in my head, I'm like, got to go over and write while I'm doing all of this. I'm like these knobs on the sink are filthy too. I get to take these off. So I got the screwdriver out and I took those off and I threw the, all of these little things just kept popping up. And <laughs> it is, everything will become very important all of a sudden stuff that you wouldn't even think of normally because you're avoiding doing the work and the motivation isn't there, but the want is it's, it's hard to explain. I, I don't know if I can, if I can put that out properly. No, I get that. Does that make I, sense? No, it does. I, I totally get that. Um, because as Ari mentioned earlier about creating the scenarios inside your head, I cannot tell you how many times I do that. I'll just pace around my room, around my house, and I'll be creating all these different story scenes in my head. And then when I actually go down to write it down, I either just, it's just lost on me or the novelty is gone because I already wrote it technically. I, to I told the story to myself or I just don't have the motivation to get in front of the computer and actually type it out. And I know, uh, Jeremy, you mentioned earlier, I mean, this was pre-recording, so nobody heard this, but you sometimes dictate what you hand wrote. I sometimes try doing that, but a lot of times when I, I speak really fast sometimes, and so the computer distorts my words, and then I'll say a sentence or two, and then I'm like, oh, I got to fix that. So then I go back and I edit it, and then I lose my train of thought. It's It's like, yeah. it's just a domino effect of... I just lost the word. <laughs> <laughs> a domino effect of motivating yourself stuff, to write, but not everything. writing stuff. Yes. Yeah. I, I definitely know what you mean. Um, it's one thing outweighs the other, which outweighs the other, which outweighs the other. Now, like you had mentioned, we'd spoke off camera before we were recording. And I, I showed you the books that I use to write because to our audience, I'm of the age where I learned how to write cursive in school. And so I still write longhand. It's it's comfortable for me. And that's another thing with having a, a I don't want to say a mental deficiency because ADHD definitely is not a mental deficiency. It's just something that you have to try to work with. You have to use it in your life in a way that is beneficial to you. So I use longhand writing because it's comfortable. I watch the same shows over and over because ADHD, one of the things that comes with that is depression, anxiety, and there's a couple of other things. So anxiety being one of them, I will start watching a program, a series or what have you. I don't binge shows. I can't do it. Um, but just I'm on to 10 other things. But if I don't know what's coming, the anxiety subconsciously sometimes will be like, mm, we're good. We're just not going to watch this anymore. However, there are shows that I've watched fully, like Bob's Burgers, Mrs. Brown's Boys, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I will put those on in the background when I'm doing other things and let them play. I've watched them more times than I can remember because I know what's coming. I know where the beats are. I know where the laughs are. And there's no anxiety inducing things to make me feel anxious. And so it's, it's easier to 
to deal, I guess. So I think I got off topic there, but, and I, and I lost my train of thought as well, but that's, it's one of those things. No, I get that because I have comfort shows and you mentioned several of them. It's like Bob's Burgers. Yes. Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yes. There's just like, if I'm in a funny, anxious mood, they're the sort of things I'll put in in the background while I'm doing something or certain movies, even even creepy movies. If I've watched them and I know what happens, they don't bother me because I know what happens and I know when the jump scares are going to come. So they can be fine. It's like we talked about the fact that, you know, I love watching true crime things and I will listen to true crime like podcasts because the person saying it has a calm voice and I will listen to some of these horrible but it's just like it's not the horrible crime or the a lot of it is the interview where they do the interview with the the suspect obviously did it <laughs> so and because I've heard it before I know what's going on and if the person's got a calm voice that will be a calm thing for me and it will bring my anxiety down it's nice having knowledge of where it's going I really get that as we were speaking before we started recording I mentioned that I write everything out longhand and so with that it's comfortable for me I enjoy that I I've also mentioned that I'm very close to becoming a Luddite and forgetting everything about technology because that is the dream oh that's the dream so I have a story idea I'll write it out on a post-it just this is a scenario this is a character boom then I'll I'll take that and I'll write two or three pages or six pages of a chapter idea. And then I'll expand on that even more. And from that third, second expansion, I'll write a whole chapter. And from there, I'll dictate it into Word because I just don't want to type that much. That is a process because the anxiety of working with something new or changing a pattern or, or a schedule causes anxiety. And so you're less prone to continue with it and so I, I have all of these little steps that I do in order to hit that end goal I write everything out I dictate it I move on and as I mentioned to you both also I'm afraid to change this way I'm doing things with this current book in case I don't finish so if I all of a sudden say screw it I'm just going to start typing everything out I would feel very disoriented. I would feel lost. I'd be like, what did I just do? And then it's too late to go back because I've written a couple of chapters and I don't have all of the little in-between steps that I would normally have done. And I would feel anxiety over that. And then I would dwell on those thoughts like I would with something that happened 15 years ago that nobody remembers but me, you know, if that makes sense. No, it absolutely does make sense because it's like you're throwing a wrench in your plan. And especially if you don't, especially if you have anxiety, you don't like it when your plans get messed up. And it's even worse if you yourself are the one that threw the wrench in the plan, because then I don't know if you guys do this, but then I will start belittling myself because I'll be like, why did you do that? You knew you were going to get upset if you did this way. And you did it that way anyway. And then it's like, and then you get on the guilt train and it's like, it's a whole nother domino effect. It's true. And that's the other thing. If I'm doing these little things that are taking me away from writing, when I'm done those and, oh, it's time for bed because I have to work in the morning. In bed, I'll be laying there thinking, shoot, I should have written. Why wasn't I writing? I should have been. And I'll just, I'll beat myself up over that. Like, it's absurd. Like the human brain is absolutely absurd. 
more struggles uh just really just yeah. one it, it kind of will get back to that i guess it would be just being distracted so you have the lack of motivation and with that those little distractions like flipping my cat's ear over because it'll bug me all day like those little distractions those are crippling if you don't have motivation so um that happens to us all you know but then we dwell on like what i what i have here like remember when that dog looked at you funny when you were six, well, we're going to think about that for the next four or five hours because what was that dog's thinking? I don't understand what I did wrong. I was six. Your head goes in a million different directions, if that, of course, again, makes sense. Something you just mentioned when you answered that question, when you were talking about how the, the lack of motivation, but you still wanted to write. You still wanted to do things. And that's one of those things where a lot of people are like, just write or, you know, you're procrastinating because you've got fear. And often it's not fear. It's just this disconnect, especially with, with as we've talked about, different types of mental health issues, which is like using a different operating system and you're trying to make it do something. I like that way. analogy. I like that a lot. Like using a different operating system. I wish, I miss... Windows Vista and people laugh at me for it. I enjoyed it. That, no, yes. no, no. <laughs> I went through almost all of them and no, we're not going to accept that Vista was good. No, it wasn't. Okay, it we, was bad. We'll <laughs> say Windows XP then. But if it's like trying to write with Windows XP and using a high-end writing software, they're just not going to work together. And that's kind exactly. of the disconnect that we have. And it's it's so tough. Yeah. So you've got this issue where it's like you want to write, the passion is there, the, the ideas are there, there's just a block, if you will, but not a writing block. And obviously, as you said, you know, you can drift off into other things. So with that being said, since motivation is kind of important, how can writers with ADHD stay motivated as much as possible with their creative projects that kind of needs that sort of focus and draw? This is a this is a big one, and it's not easy for everybody. And my first point for that would be to surround yourself with writers, or even just one person who writes. Uh, last year, I met this terrific fella at work, Paul. He's like me, a bit younger. He's the handsome version of me, like a Jeremy 2.0. I mean, he doesn't look like a homeless guy at all, like I do, but he's also a writer. He's a writer of short stories, and, and just talking to him about writing, it was just this inspiration like we spoke and all of a sudden I needed to write just that little bit of interaction it, it ignited such a spark of inspiration in me that was almost cathartic my wife's cousin Shauna she is a writer she's writing a tale set in Wales and not only she's she writing about it but she's learning the language as well so she's she's learning Welsh as well as writing about Wales and so chatting with her keeps me motivated and and keeps that drive going as well. So what I feel is that writers really feed off of one another and we we need that community. And this here, like your podcast, for instance, that is the community, which would lead me into my next point, listening to podcasts about writing. Um, if you have nobody to talk to about it, listen to podcasts about people who write, People like you and me who are going through the same struggles and the things that they're doing to overcome the lack of motivation or self-doubt or imposter syndrome, which a lot of us suffer with. Like, for instance, me, I, I don't I don't typically call myself a writer. I instead say I'm a guy who writes. 
I've been making art since I could hold a pencil, but I don't say I'm an artist. I'm just saying I'm a guy who likes to make art. It's, I don't know if that's imposter syndrome or, or if that's just me uh, playing with semantics. I honestly don't know. It's just silly. I think you're right about that. It is quite important having like a support network, not exactly a support network. You know, you're not surrounding yourself. People just, just to cheer you on. It's, it's that kind of, connection where you share thoughts and you know commiserate when you go through the same issues of like writer's block or plot holes or sagging middle syndrome which I seem to just live in if I'm honest that's just my that my issue I just sit in constantly um and you said like obviously if you don't have anyone to talk to you know listen to podcasts and I used to listen to um YouTube videos I would certain writers who would write certain things and I would just listen to them and again sometimes it was just they had a really nice voice and they would just talk about writing advice even if I knew the advice it was still nice to kind of listen and I have to say I would definitely just add to things about reaching out to people and I know there's going to be people in the audience going oh no and I appreciate that as someone who is very anxious and an introvert reaching out to people is a horrible thing but we're not saying you reach out to them on their email and start sending like a huge chunky email going like, hi, my name is blah, 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 blah. And, you know, tell them your life story. But the, there is ways of connecting. I mean, Rachel lives in America and I live in Northern Ireland. And we met because we both have writing blogs and we commented on each other's blogs and we did guest posts. And then we built that friendship. And then we have a podcast and we had a game before that. And... You know, that's that, that's the one, I'm going to say, the one thing I don't mind about social media is you can use it to connect to people. You can reach out, a simple comment here, simple comment there, and you can build networks and friendships and all that. It just It's just that I think you have to try. And it's horrible if you're, if you're a, an introverted person or a shy person and you don't feel comfortable. But you should still try because it's really important having a network. It doesn't have to be a big network. You don't have to be surrounded by a lot of writers. As you said, a couple of people who just know what it feels like to go through some of the things you go through definitely helps. It's true. It's something that I didn't, I can't say I didn't know I needed, but it's something that I've I've always wanted. For instance, I've I've looked at different writing groups in my area. I've sent out emails. Hey, you know, I'm interested in joining a writing group and I would never hear anything back. And I was like, yeah, okay. So I just continued kind of rolling on my own. And, and, and like you, Ari, I would watch YouTube videos about like the, the author tube writers and things like that. And because they would, they would get into the nitty gritty of self-publishing and publishing and how much money they've invested in all of the little stuff that I'm like, this is stuff I've got to know for the future. Um, or talking about beta readers and where you can find beta readers and copy editors, copyright, like that's stuff that I'm like, this is stuff I've also got to know. And I wouldn't know that if I were doing it on my own. You have to be in, not in a community, but even in the fringes of the community, just looking for that info you need. And you're going to find info you weren't even looking for. You guys are hilarious because I, while I do agree with you about reaching out to people and, you know, listening to podcasts and like connecting with other writers and stuff, because it's true. It absolutely is true. I got to say, after we meet with guests on the podcast, I am way more motivated to get writing done than ever before. But I'm actually going to like piggyback on when you guys were talking about comfort shows earlier. 
that's my motivation. I I'm like, forget other people, forget other writers. I write cozy mystery. I'm going to watch my comfort show over and over again. I'm going to watch psych and I'll have that on. I'll watch a few episodes. Sometimes I'll have it on while I write. And, uh, that's, yeah, that's what helps me. I don't, I, I was part of a writer's group like years ago and COVID kind of disbanded it. We tried doing it virtually and it just, it just fizzled out. But now I meet with the original people of the group once a month after all these years. And we just get together to play Dungeons and Dragons, which in a way is still technically writing. We're just not physically writing it. <laughs> it is writing. I, I couldn't agree with you more because you're using that creative part of your brain and those little adventures that you were on, I don't want to say little, like it's demeaning, like those adventures, those big, huge epics you're on, um, you might even glean little ideas from those that you could translate into your story. You're like, wait, that problem I've been having, we solved that during this quest. And so you, you, you can pull from that. It's not a writing group, but it's group that's being creative. And you can then progress your book through that. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. Um, because again, as I write mostly mystery, but I do have a few fantasy ideas tucked in my back pocket that are like D&D-esque, so to speak. Um, and it's true because they're, they're also a group of writers, so we can, it's easy. It just kind of slip into your character and it's, you know, there's nothing silly about it or any, well, actually there's a lot of silly, we're very, we're a very chaotic group. Um, but yeah, it's just... I guess in a way, definitely connect yourself with other writers and other people, but also just connect yourself with other creatives as well. Because even Jeremy, as you mentioned, how like you started uh, making knives and things like that, any type of creativity is art because it's subjective. I feel like a lot of people go through similar issues as writers like many artists have imposter syndrome so even if somebody is not writing a book you can still connect with them if they have like a canvas painting that they're working on and they step back and they're like oh it really doesn't look like the dog that i was trying to create i mean it's we're all going through the same thing is what i'm trying to say in a really roundabout way no it's true though you you got there in the end no i'm just kidding but you're you're 100 right and and I got to, again, roll it back to my biggest booster, Pat. Like he, he taught me a lot about the art that I do today. Uh, he was a graffiti artist. He's, he's, man, the guy's an artist of everything. Give him some duct tape, give him some stickers, give him a piece of paper towel, and he will make a sculpture that you'll be like, what? It's a, well, he taught me Photoshop. He taught me graffiti. He taught me different types of painting styles. Like the guy is an, a Renaissance man when it comes to that. And so even just having a friendship with a creative person makes you more driven to be a creative person yourself. You might not be as good as them, or you might be better than them or, or what have you, but you're learning from each other. You're sharing those ideas, you're, you're back and forth, and you're growing together as artists, as friends, as people, you know, all that poetic stuff that falls in line with it as well. But it doesn't always have to be about writing, but those creative outlets will correlate with your writing because, hey, all of a sudden, I have a blacksmith in my story. Hey, turns out I know how to make knives. <laughs> and and I can kind of move through it with that. So all of those little endeavors that I go on, I could use those at points if I, if I really want to, because I have a good foundation and an understanding in them. So it might not have been about writing at the time, but maybe now. 
And it's just all about because I have creative friends and surroundings that propagate that. Well, yeah, that's kind of what we were saying earlier about how we have many skills and stuff because we collect all those hobbies and then we can input those skills into our writing and into our characters. So see, it works. It's it's all one big, big circle. It's great. So what are some useful techniques writers with ADHD can use to help keep them focused? One of the benefits that uh, I found with dealing with ADHD and having your mind go in a hundred different directions at all times, and in the many ways you approach situation, we have a natural way of brainstorming. We're natural brainstormers. Uh, I've never had a lack of creative thoughts. I have a small notebook with short film screenplay ideas, novel ideas, invention ideas that I've wanted to patented, art ideas. Uh, there's just so many all of the time. Creativity is never an issue as my brain is always up to something like I don't even get it, but it gets really noisy in there and then be able to understand why my mind runs the way it does. It helps. So being that my mind is everywhere all at once, I'm always brainstorming things and I try to with time, I learned how, but try to focus that towards what I'm currently writing and it, it it allows me to get over any little writer's block that I might have or or are you said middle syndrome or saggy middle syndrome like I don't find I'm having those issues at the moment like I'm I'm halfway through chapter 13 and I haven't really found myself in a standstill because I'm constantly brainstorming so that would be one of the benefits of you having ADHD and you know letting your mind just wander um Another way that it's a, it's a technique that I have, it's, it's setting a schedule for myself, a location to, of, of time and where I'm going to write. Now, I can't write here. Everything here, it's a distraction. Okay, so I'll, I'll go to a coffee shop. I'll go to a cafe at a certain time and write. Well, no, because then I'm distracted by the people around me. Do I want them to, to see I'm writing and then come over and ask, hey, what are you doing? Are you writing? Hey, I'm a writer too. And then, I, no, I don't want that. I want to write. I got to get these, these words on the page. So now I'm going to tell you what schedule I've created and it works for me. And I feel you both might think I'm a little, little extra crazy, a um, little extra crazy going on upstairs here. But I work an industrial job. It's a 24-hour, 24-7 operation. I work from 7 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. I get up at 4.15 a shower, I have some breakfast, I make a coffee for work, and then I leave shortly after five. I arrive around 5.30 a.m. I will sit in the lunchroom in the peace and quiet with no distractions, and I write. That's it. I go to work 90 minutes early every day so I can write, and it is glorious. Um, I've tried it other ways, but this is the one that works for me, probably because I sleep a criminally little amount, and I'm a high-functioning insomniac. That is not crazy at all. I used to do the same thing. I didn't write at work, but I would wake up two hours earlier than I needed to. And I would sit at my desk and I would write, whether it was creative writing or blog posts or anything. And then after a certain amount of time, I would get ready for work and then start the day. So no, that is not crazy at all. Ari's not allowed to speak on this point. 
but no, I think that's, I think that's great. My, my routine kind of fell to the wayside when I quit my job and I started working from home because I had nowhere to physically be. So there are definitely some days where I end up sleeping in because I too, and am, I too am an insomniac if I can speak. So there are definitely some days where I just, I need to sleep in a little bit, but yeah, you got to find what works for you. And it's going to take a lot of trial and error. I've noticed that, you know, it's, you got to find different, you got to try writing at different locations to find that one location that really works for you. But then there will also be some times where a change of environment is actually good because if you write in the same spot every single day for X amount of time, I feel like my brain gets bored of that one spot. So if I go write somewhere else for a little bit, it kind of like resets. And then the next day I'll go back to my original area and it, it works. And I go to a coffee shop and write a lot. And um, some days I'm super productive and other days I sit there and I people watch and yeah, so I, I get that. Do you find working from home and writing from home, do you find that everything is a distraction? And I ask because like I mentioned, I write everything at longhand. I can't just open up a window on my, my notebook and, and go Googling. Um, so I, I don't have those distractions. Like I, I try to limit them as much as I can, just because I know it is a struggle for me. Do you find working at your location or I should say writing from the location you currently work and are there most of the time, do you not get distracted or is it just, you've grown used to it and you know what the distractions are already. And so you're not distracted by them. It depends on the day. Honestly, <laughs> there are some days where I get hyper fixated on my writing and I can write for a few hours. There are other days where I need to have the TV on in order for me to focus on my writing. There are some days where I tell myself, okay, write X amount of words, and then you can go do this thing on the internet or like whether it's for my blog or just to scroll social media for a little bit or, and then go back to your writing. And I try to take breaks. I try to use a timer, but I also um, have a dog, a cat and two turtles. So they keep me pretty busy throughout the day. There are some days where they'll just sit with me and they'll sleep and I can get everything done that I need to do. And then there are other days where they're just constantly poking me and I can't get anything done. So yeah, for the most part, I don't get too distracted because my home is my comfort place. I mean, I really hate going out into the real world and working like a typical nine to five job just isn't me. My brain can't compute with that. So when I'm home, it can be difficult to differentiate between relaxation time and work time. I think that would be the biggest distraction, quote unquote. Um, but for the most part, I do, I'm pretty disciplined in making sure that I have my stuff done. And yeah, obviously some days work better than others, but I somehow make it work. I personally find it's very similar. Like if I'm if I'm in the writing zone, it doesn't matter what anything looks like in my room. I can just sit and just write. Other times I need to tidy the desk or straighten the books that don't do anything. They're all the way in the back of the room. They won't affect me where my desk is. But I find that, and I'm going to swing back to where I was told not to, but I'm going there. 
to you crazy people who get up early weird weirdos Ari, i have weird. the power to mute you i hope you realize that <laughs> don't you dare you're gonna kick me out <laughs> however what i found was while i can't i could never get up early and write and then go to work because the few times i had to go in early to the office when i used to work in an office i wouldn't use the time usefully so say I had to go in early because I had to open up for something or I had to prep ready for a meeting that wasn't for another hour but I still had to get everything ready and then I was sat for like 40 minutes I wouldn't use that time to write because my brain would be ticking things off and then I found that I need mundane things so while I was doing the job I hope nobody knows who I am when I'm uh, from my old, old old jobs. When I was doing my job, because a lot of it was mundane, halfway through working, that's when the ideas had come. So I'd be like, you know, doing some typing and then I'd get a pad out and I'd be writing my notes. And then I'd be doing and then I'd be writing some notes. And I would do it during work. <laughs> always got my job done. In case anyone hears, always got my job done. But I needed the mundane to kind of clear out the noise to let me get into the writing if I'd have gone in and said right I've got 40 minutes 45 minutes, an hour to just write I wouldn't my brain would just drift off all the time and I find that if I'm working from home and I'm not doing anything specific for my business I may need to clear the desk and it's it's mundane and it helps me to sort of calm my mind to get into the writing function and that's what I figured out that I picked up from my old jobs when I used to do my own shit on the side. So what you're saying is that with your old job and you were writing at your old job, you were essentially a paid writer. I mean, that's pretty sweet. I, I, I mentioned that I work in an industrial job and there are days where one of the things we have in place for safety is tank watch. If somebody is working inside of a tank, somebody has to be outside of that tank to make sure they are safe everything is good inside. And if something were to happen, they're able to relay any emergency info to whoever they send away to get help. You don't have a lot to do. You're there to sit and make sure. So I will get paid a, a, a very good rate to sit and, and watch people work. So I will draw. And so I look at that and my wife's like, are you serious right now? You were really just a paid artist when it comes down to it. And it's true. I'm a paid artist when I'm... <laughs> them at work i love it so you were a paid writer went your previous job exactly it wasn't it was never like i i didn't get my work done i wasn't like oh, i'm just writing all the time it was literally i would i would work on a project and once the project got to the end before i opened the next one i'd just write some notes down or it would literally be like one line in between doing other things or when i'm on the phone i was waiting for a call to connect or you know on some boring meeting conference call where i for some reason had to be on there but i had nothing to say and it was not really necessary so i'd just be writing my notes and yeah it's just it was finding little snippets but i found i was better doing that than trying to take like a whole chunky hour i found that i had more quiet moments in my head to write it down so yeah definitely find what works for you and it's not always what you expect either, because I bet there are times when, at the beginning, that you didn't think that getting up at 4.15 was what you needed to do to be a writer. I It would never have crossed my mind, but I remember like years and years ago, like I'm, I'm talking like 20 years ago, I would get up early just because I couldn't sleep. I'd be awake. I'd be tossing and turning. I'm like, screw it. I would just get out of bed. And then 
one of the things that I find I need, like you can already mentioned, you, you watch a show sometimes when you're writing. And I think Rachel, you had mentioned as well, you'll have it on in the background. I can't listen to words. I can't listen to lyrics, but I'll listen to songs, instrumentals, a lot of classical opera, because I can't understand what they're saying, um, things like that. But if I have to have music playing and I, in so much so that actually have a soundtrack for when my book eventually gets published and becomes a movie. I have the soundtrack already made for it. So I listen to that. And that is my, it's almost like a switch. If I start listening to it, it puts me in a frame, uh, a headspace that allows me to get those creative thoughts out and on paper. But that is another thing that I feel I need. Like, but the early start thing, getting up at 4.30, I would I would get up early, I would go down, and this is when satellite television was really new. I would find this ambient drum and bass radio station on the television, and I would just write because it's low, lo-fi, very low-key and nice, and that's what I needed. But that was, at that time, the environment I had, and I didn't get distracted. If I were to try that today, I would be distracted. So I have to leave the lo location I'm in, and it makes it, makes it better. You know, you you do bring up a good point because there are times where I have my show on in the background and I don't always get distracted because I've watched it so many times that I can sometimes tune it out. Um, but I do, I watch a lot of like gameplay videos on YouTube and stuff and because I've seen them so many times. There are times where I do get distracted, especially if I know a funny part is coming up, then I stop what I'm doing and I watch. But I do agree with you when I listen to music and I write, I cannot have lyrics because I will just start singing and dancing along with it. And even some of the instrumental music, I just start bopping my head and getting distracted. But I got to ask, have you guys ever listened to 8D music? A little bit. Um, oh my gosh, it's amazing. I love it. Uh, if I'm if I'm thinking of the right thing, is that like the 16-bit game music and the 8-bit game music? or something else. No, 8D is like if you wear headphones and listen to the music, it'll go from one ear to the other and then back again. It's like a, I've heard of that. Oh yes. my gosh. It's I literally I listened to it for the first time a couple of weeks ago when I was writing and I banked out like 3000 words. It was uh it was I loved it. I loved it okay, so much. Okay, I am I am fascinated right now. Um Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to age myself, but I'm going to, there is a, a lo-fi nineties grunge mix on YouTube that it's just super low, slow, crunchy nineties instrumental stuff. It is next level. I, I would definitely give that a, I would give that a try. If you're thinking I'm going to write to some music. Now here's a question. Oh, yeah. Both of you, you will write while listening to your shows or what have you. Do you ever think creeping into your right started writing you know captain holtz in brooklyn the nine said hot damn as amy santiago do you ever find yourselves doing that because that's a fear of mine when i when i used to listen to like either music or tv shows i would sometimes not that i would write it in but as i was writing the sentence you know it's like running in your head and then it would jar and in my my head it's changed i'm like that's not right and i just stop and i'm like where was i going with this where, where was I going with this? So if I listen to music, it has to be either instrumental or like yourself, like in a language I can't speak. Although even then, sometimes I will still just, you know, you know, you make the words up. <laughs> it's like, la, 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 la. It's like not, not even close. 
Um, I will sing along with opera, even though I don't know what I'm singing. Yeah, You're exactly. right. And I'll, I'll I, do the falsetto and I'll do the whole <laughs> stuff. Yeah, I listen to a lot of like uh, Celtic music. So obviously it's all in like Gaelic and everything. And I will still make those words up completely wrong, but I will still do it. For the TV shows, it has to be something that I have seen a million times. And I have it on really low. Um, and nine times out of ten, no, I don't. It will every now and then creep in, but not that I will write it, but it'll stop me from remembering. But what I usually find is if I put like, because I, I usually listen to um, Columbo. Don't know why. I have Columbo. I have all the DVDs. I will put them on. And I've listened to them so much that they're just background noise. And it's just that the sound of it is kind of relaxing. Well, Peter Falk has that voice. Like oh, he could definitely. read a phone book and you'd be like, yes. this is the greatest book I've ever heard. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, I don't, I've, I've watched them so much, like from when, you know, when I was younger to even now, like I, I watch them all the time. So I'm never, I'm never caught out with it. If it's something I've only watched um, not as frequently, then I will probably get caught up with it. So yeah. But most of the time I put something on because I'm trying to drown out music from our neighbours. <laughs> Otherwise, I would actually prefer to write with silence, but I don't get silence anymore, so I have to deal with it. So I don't know how you write with silence. Because if there's silence in the room, I just fill it in my head and then I get distracted. Yes. I'm the same way. If there's yeah. silence, I'm in my head and I'm distracted. Mm-hmm. And it's not always about the book. <laughs> no. We're lucky if it is. Yes, exactly. It's great if it is. All right. Well, for me, no, technically, but I can't think of the word. I, I have a hard time pronouncing the word, but I think I also have e eco echolalia, echolalia. I don't know how to pronounce it. I've never heard of that word before. Um, It's an autistic <laughs> trait. It, where if I hear something, I just echo it and I mimic it. So a lot of times, like just randomly during the day, I will start spouting out things from a show, from a YouTube video I watched that are things that are like just funny to me and I'm always like mimicking it. So there are times where in my writing, I will use a phrase that I've heard and then I'm like, oh no, wait, I didn't come up with that. You did delete, delete, delete. <laughs> Because I think it's so funny and I'm like, oh, that's so good. But I'm like, no, wait, I'm I'm accidentally like copying something else. So, so is that the same as when Borat came out? Everybody was saying my wife is it is that same same thing? Uh, like everybody would say it out and amongst their friends and have a chuckle and what have you. But I, I don't I don't know that word. I'm fascinated. It's, I'm going to learn all about it all of a sudden. God, I don't even know how to spell it. Um, But yeah, if you just type in like. Echo alia like E C O E C H O A L I A. I think yeah. you'll yeah. It says you'll... the unsolicited the unsolicited repetition of vocalizations made by another person. Yes, yeah. Like my sister will sneeze and then I'll mimic her. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, "Stop making fun of you, me." I'm like, "I'm not making fun of you. I promise." <laughs> <laughs> that is fascinating to me i love that yeah so i've noticed i because i recently discovered it too and when i saw the word i was like oh crap i do that so would you say you might be autistically adhd i think so i think so <laughs> again i 
I um I saw a psychologist and she believes so, but my health insurance doesn't cover the actual valuation, so I can't get the formal diagnosis. health insurance. Yeah. Oh, so welcome to America. <laughs> no to thanks. <laughs> I know, really. I, don't I didn't want to you. say it out loud. <laughs> I don't blame you. We're all thinking it. Don't worry about it. Okay, good. Whew, uh, that was close. All right. Well, That's Jeremy, hilarious. it really has been great having you on the show. This was such an awesome conversation. But before we go, would you like to share a little something about yourself with our listeners? Oh, absolutely. Um, I wish I had a, like an exciting author bio for you. But in truth, I'm just a, a homeless looking knuckle dragger who lucked out really lucked out by being married to my beautiful, intelligent, and supportive wife, Carrie, who coincidentally, today is her birthday. I'm not going to say how old she's turning because, you know, I don't want to end this marriage <laughs> ever. <laughs> that would definitely do it. But, you know, we have two handsome adult sons, two cats. One is, well, one of them's our kitty and the other are two grand kitties. And uh, one's my oldest son's cats. We have our poppers, Lula. She is adorable little chihuahua who is a land shark and the most precious little thing you'd ever see. Um, I'm just some guy who loves to write. Really, that that's what it comes down to. Um, I'm grateful for the position I am in where I can work a full-time job. I have a support structure at home that allows me to pursue hobbies and passions so that's that's a little bit about me but in social media i know we we mentioned social media a little bit in in the podcast and i unfortunately don't i for whatever reason just a couple weeks ago just said i'm done and that is i think a very adhd thing to do it's kind of black and white it was there and all of a sudden i'm like okay i'm done with social media so i actually only had instagram and I think I had just gotten TikTok. And so I just closed them. I deactivated, closed everything out because they were distractions. And it's so strange because when I was when I'm at work in the morning before, I would be writing away and I'm like, oh, I gotta look at this Instagram for whatever reason. And I did. And then all of a sudden, five or ten minutes were gone. And I'm like, shit, I could have been using that time to write this beautiful prose no of course not it's not beautiful prose it's just something but I took away from what I was trying to accomplish and so now if I'm picking up my phone while I'm at work it's to check the time to see how much time I have left before I have to go and so that's that's really that's that's me in a nutshell no social media old homeless looking dude almost a luddite still writing cursive you know I'm basic I'm a basic bitch as you kids say I get it. All right. I mean, really, kudos to you for getting rid of your social media. If I didn't need it for work, I wouldn't be on social media anymore either. I'm really getting sick of it. But that's a whole nother conversation for another time. But honestly, like, seriously, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. And all of Jeremy's links will be in the description below. So definitely, well, you know, you're not on social media. So no, we won't have any I don't links. Have, I don't have any links. <laughs> never mind. Never mind. You know what? Get, like everybody I, I just website. comment yeah. the crap out of this episode and give Jeremy <laughs> a thumbs up. Okay. <laughs> I want to hear those thumbs ups. Yes. Yeah. Very loud, very loud thumbs up. <laughs> in the meantime, we are going to turn it over to you guys. So also in the comments, let us know, how do you push through a lack of motivation? And if you have ADHD, how the hell do you get through it? Remember, we release a new episode every Wednesday. Next week, we're discussing book formatting. To ensure you don't miss it, hit the subscribe button on your way out. 
And as always, thanks for listening to the Mary Writer podcast. We'll see you next week. This podcast is brought to you by Pat, because everybody needs a Pat. The music titled Inspired is by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons 4.0.